What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Glad you appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. Before I dive into what we're going over today, it's going to be a packed week for the show. On Wednesday, I'm going to be recording with a popular guest from one of my Instagram live sessions, Channel 7 Sports Director from Buffalo, Matt Beauvais. We're going to talk some Bills and Sabres. So I'm going to be doing that via Zoom, so I'll get that episode of audio posted for you guys on Thursday, and then I'll have the actual Zoom call posted later in the week. And then on Friday or Saturday, me and Zach will be back with another NBA podcast episode, a really fun one we'll be doing, an expansion draft for the Seattle Supersonics and the Buffalo Braves. That will be a really cool and fun idea. We're going to put the teams on Instagram. We'll see which one everyone thinks was better. So we'll be doing that. Today, I'm going to be going into some Buffalo Sabres stuff. A lot of things happened on this date in Sabres history. I'm going to be going over a Bills mock draft, full seven rounds that I did this morning, and then talking about the J.J. Watt rumors to Buffalo. I'm going to be starting off with the Bills mock draft. So I did this on Draft Network. There's a lot of really good draft sites out there for everyone that's interested in doing mock drafts for the Bills. Um, I did play around with a few other ones. There's Pro Football Focus has one, and there's also Pro Football Network that does one. I originally started with Pro Football Network because that one has trades in it. So you can trade back, trade up, um, get computer simulated trades to you. The only reason I didn't go with that one was because there was a lot of players that were getting drafted in spots that just were not realistic whatsoever. Like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals both were mock draft quarterbacks in the first round, which obviously makes no sense with the Bengals having Joe Burrow and the Chiefs having Patrick Mahomes. So I wasn't really a huge fan of that. You can adjust the rankings and stuff, but um, I didn't have the time to go through and do that for every single player. Um, and then the Pro Football Focal, excuse me, Pro Football Focus one uh, was giving me some issues. So I just went with the Draft Network one. I don't have the subscription, so I can't really make any trades. So I just went with based on their player rankings. I will say the Bills trying to do a Bills mock draft is very hard to do right now, just because I think a lot of what the draft is going to unfold for the Bills is going to rely solely on what happens in free agency, as it mostly does for a lot of teams. But I think it really is specific for the Bills. There's been a lot of reports out there that Matt Milano is going to be testing free agency, looking for a higher number than what it seems like the Bills are offering him, which Brian Beanie kind of talked about him earning the right to do that. But if for some reason Matt Milano does walk, which I really hope doesn't happen because I think he's a huge part of this team's success, if he ends up walking, I think it's almost inevitable that the Bills have to go out and replace him in the first or second round with the linebacker. That's such a key position. And with the Bills already having not a great cap situation, unless they move some things around, cut some people, restructure, it's going to be very tough to go out and sign um, an elite linebacker when pass rush, I think, is going to be their focus of free agency um, and maybe even a tight end. So I basically did this based on the fact that I think the Bills are going to add an edge rusher um, in free agency as well as some other uh, pieces like a wide receiver. And I'm doing this based on the fact that the reports right now seem like Milano is going to more than likely walk because he's going to get more money elsewhere. 
Like I said, I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm doing this mock draft based off of that. So in the first round at pick 30, I went with Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri. This guy flies all around the field. He's very good in zone, zone coverage, same as Matt Milano. Um, he has the ability to really crack down on tight ends and speed receivers. He was a heck of a player at Missouri, and I think he'd be an instant plug-and-play next to Tremaine Edmonds if Milano were to walk. Um, so I think that'd be a good fit in round one. There's a good chance that he might not make it there, but he if he falls all the way to Buffalo at 30, um, I think it'd be a great addition, um, especially because he would be a plug-and-play guy. I don't think this is a guy that would have to sit and really learn. He'd kind of be like Tremaine Edmonds and be able to just slot in and start year one. Round two, I think some people might think this is a little bit of a stretch. Um, it's just really based on where the Bills are picking at pick 61. I'm not sure if he would fall into where they're picking in round three at 93. So I went Brevin Jordan, the tight end for Miami. This is a guy that's just an absolute freak of a tight end. Um, he's almost built like a receiver. Big body, very strong hands. Um, didn't have very many drops in college at all. That's been Dawson Knox's big problem in the NFL is drops and fumbling the ball. I think Brevin Jordan would bring a whole new dimension to the offense. I know Zach Ertz, I've talked about him before being an addition, but if they aren't able to add a tight end in Fragey because they spend money on edge rushers, defensive line, maybe even a cornerback or a wide receiver, I think adding Brevin Jordan to pair with Dawson Knox would be great. I think Dawson Knox still does have value for this team, and he's done some good things, but I think you need to add another youthful player in that room. Tyler Croft's definitely not going to be coming back. Lee Smith's more than likely going to retire. And then you really just have Dawson Knox and Reggie Gilliam, who's really didn't play too much. And I think Adam Brevin Jordan would only do wonders for the offense. In the third round, I went with True Williams, the cornerback from Syracuse. This is a guy throughout his entire career at Syracuse was very solid for them. He also is very versatile. He played in slot corner outside, also played a little bit of safety as well. He's very physical. He's able to press guys at the line. He has a lot of upside. And I think, if anything, if you don't bring back Levi Wallace or another cornerback in, it's going to provide him an opportunity to compete for a starting spot. You know, Dane Jackson's a guy I constantly talked about getting the opportunity to start. So if you bring in a guy in the third round that has a lot of upside to compete with a guy like Dane Jackson, I think it's only going to, you know, increase the Bills' depth at cornerback, which is definitely needed. The Bills do not have a pick in round four, so nothing really to worry about there. Round five at pick 162, one of their two fifth-round picks. I did go with a little bit of a home pick in Jarrett Patterson, the running back from Buffalo. I think the running back room is okay right now with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. The big question that I talked about when I had the guys on the 42 North 78 West Sports Show on was, is it Brian Dable isn't drawing up the right schemes or is it that the Bills just don't have the running backs? I know Devin Singletary really kind of fell flat at the end of last year. But then the year before, he was so good. Zach Moss was really picking it up towards the end of the season. So we just really don't know yet. They're both both—they're only going to be going into their second and third years, respectively. But I think adding a guy like Jarrett Patterson, who's going to fall down into a four through six round range, what he was able to do at Buffalo, um, keeping him around, being familiar with the area, and a guy that's probably more of a low risk super high reward value pick um I think it makes a lot of sense for Buffalo to get him because if the you I mean the more great running backs you have the merrier especially on cheap contract options then with their second fifth round pick I pick 175 I went with Shaka Tony the edge rusher from Penn State 
Um, the reason I went with him is because his, you know, pass rushing ability is pretty much just a specialty. He's not the greatest at getting off blocks um, from a run perspective when it's inside the gaps, but he's pretty much a pass rush specialist, um, so to say. And I think the more players like that you can bring in is only going to help the Bills. And once you get towards the five through seven rounds, there are going to be some guys that are more than likely just going to be practice squad players. But if a guy like this could come in and compete with a Daryl Johnson um, or even just push Jerry Hughes um, for roster spots and make it tough decision for when cutting guys like him or Mario Addison, um, I think that'd be great. Then in the sixth round, I went with Jim Morrissey, interior offensive lineman from Pittsburgh. Um, he has a little bit of versatility at center and guard. Um, this is another position I think the Bills could look higher even in the second or third round. It's all really going to depend on Mitch Borse's contract. Do they feel, you know, good with him there because he's been dealing with some injuries over the past few years? Are they going to restructure him? Are they going to bring back John Feliciano? Um, are they going to get the production they need out of Cody Ford coming off of an injury? Um, I t- talked about an idea that was brought up by Joe DiBiase from WGR about re-signing Feliciano to play center and just cutting Morse for um, saving cap space. So that would be, if that happens, I think they would reach higher for another offensive guard in the draft. And then in the seventh round, um, I went with uh, Josh Palmer, the wide receiver from Tennessee. He was kind of caught up in the numbers game there, but shown big playability. I think he could slot into a wide receiver three spot um, and has a lot of great intangibles just from the little bit of highlights I watched from him earlier um, on YouTube. And I think it's always good just to add a receiver um, late in rounds because you never know what you're going to find. And it seems like the Bills are able to find some gems um, hidden in late rounds over the past few years. And I know we have his age at Hodgins coming back um, after he sat out the whole year with injury, but it's always good, like I said, to add a wide receiver to that core, um, especially when you don't know what's going to happen with Isaiah McKenzie, Andre Roberts, and John Brown. Uh, transitioning over to the Buffalo Sabres, um, a lot of things happened on this day in Sabres history. First and foremost, the Sabres had the Senators brawl on this day, one of the most iconic moments in Sabres history. You know, Chris Jury gets taken out by Chris Neal. And then later in the period, you know, Andrew Peters, Marty Baron, all of them get into a huge brawl. Patrick Coletta, Adam Mayer. Um, just one of the coolest things I've ever seen as a Buffalo sports fan. And it's definitely one of the best highlights in most Sabres fans' um, eyes. Um, the or Terry Pagula was also introduced as the Sabres owner on this day, which also brings up some bad memories. It's actually brought to my attention by Matt Bovey when I was going through Twitter this morning, so I'll probably talk to him a little bit about this when I talk to him on Wednesday, but the Sabres are 281, 354, and then 94 overtime uh, losses. Um, in that span, only one playoff appearance in his first year, 2011, when he started owning the team. So, uh, rough day uh, in general, and then you have the Sabres playing the Islanders tonight, um, and this comes on the heels of some news yesterday with the Sabres where Ralph Kruger had Jeff Skinner skating with the extras. Um, a lot of controversy with that. Um, a lot of Sabres fans on social medias were not happy. Um, I was more from the perspective of Jeff Skinner has not played well this year, and I think at some point you do need to hold everyone accountable, and he should probably get benched. Um, my biggest complaint about this move is that if you're going to bench someone, Kyle Laposo should be the one to be benched first. Personally, I think it says more that when you're benching a guy who is seen as the assistant captain for your team and a guy who has not produced um, 
since he's gotten to Buffalo. I know Jeff Skinner isn't living up to his contract, but at least he produced his first year and even last year was still able to put in some goals, even though on a down year, um, more than Kyle Oposo. Um, so to me, I think Oposo should be the first one to sit before Skinner. I definitely understand why Skinner should sit at some point. Um, but I think if you're going to hold Skinner accountable, you have to hold everyone else accountable, especially when the Eakin reader in a Poso line has been one of the worst lines in the entire National Hockey League um, since they put them together. And for some reason, Ralph Kruger continues to have them skate together. So it's always been a consistent disconnect between Ralph Kruger and Jeff Skinner. Um, it's going to be interesting tonight because the Sabres really played awful against the Islanders two games in a row, which really um, got me going and why I ranted the last time I talked to everyone about the Sabres. They were able to pick up a 3-2 win versus the Devils the other day. Um, a good game overall from Eichel and Reinhardt doing a really nice job. I thought Matt or Will Borgen um, has been playing really well, except they also had injuries in that game. Borgen's considered day-to-day, but Jake McCabe seems like he could be out long-term, which right now looks really devastating for the Sabres because he is a locker room guy as well as been one of their best, if not their best defenseman, at least at a consistent level um, this entire year. So if you lose him, um, your team's already struggling as is to score goals. Um, I think it's going to really hurt the Sabres. But I think tonight is a really big game for them. I think it's really a must-win situation. I know it's rare for me to say um, this early on in the season, but when they've been slumping the way they have and been really struggling to score goals, I mean, they started off 3-0 on the Devils and then kind of just laid back in the third period and didn't do anything and allowed them to score twice. Um, so I really hope the Sabres come out with a lot of energy tonight. And we will be looking out to see if Jeff Skinner does get healthy scratched or not because there is no Sabres practice this morning, so we won't find out until game time. So we'll be talking about that a little bit probably next week as well, but just an interesting day overall in Sabres history with so much going on. Bagula getting introduced, you know, having the French connection surprise him, having the press conference saying he wants, you know, the sole reason for the existence to win a Stanley Cup, but we've just been terrible since then. But then you also cope that with the Sabres Senators brawl, which is one of the more fun and bright spots in Sabres history um, from a fan perspective. So just a really weird day um, overall. And then we're going to end today's show talking about J.J. Watt, a guy that's been rumored to um, be interested in playing for the Bills um, by ESPN. It was reported that them and Buffalo had mutual interest. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, also some other teams that are interested in him. So J.J. Watt currently is 31 years old. He'll be 32 on March 22nd. So Definitely an older player last year in 2020-2021. Played all 16 games, 52 tackles, 5 sacks, 2 forced fumbles, and an interception, which he returned for a touchdown. 2019, he only played in 8 games, 24 tackles, 4 sacks, and 1 forced fumble. And then 2018, he had a monster year, 16 games, 16 sacks, 7 forced fumbles, and 61 tackles. From 2012 to 2015, he had 69 total sacks which is an average of 17.25 sacks per year. Um, so I know J.J. Watt is getting up there um, in age, and that does concern Bills fans um, a little bit. But I think this is a guy that they should go out and take a risk on a two-year deal and sign anywhere between 7 and $10 million. Um, I think the Bills obviously saw what happened in the Super Bowl. It's very clear they need to add a pass rusher outside of Jerry Hughes. I don't like the notion that people are saying we should get rid of Jerry Hughes. Mario Addison would definitely be the first person that should be gone um, if you're talking about edge rushers. Jerry Hughes was tied number one in the NFL this year in pass rush win rate. 
at 29% with TJ Watt, who was up for Defensive Player of the Year. Jerry Hughes, throughout the entire course of his career in Buffalo, has consistently beaten whoever is, you know, guarding him on the outside. He gets held all the time, doesn't really ever get calls. But the other side has been so weak that you just haven't seen him produce, you know, since we had another guy that I'm about to talk about in Mario Williams. The Bills took a big swing on another former Houston Texan all the way back in 2012. He was only 27, turning 28 um, when he was coming to the Bills. So a little bit of different age group um, there for between Mario and JJ from, you know, a comparable perspective. But the three years before Mario Williams signed in Buffalo, in 2011, he had he only played in five games, had five sacks and 11 tackles. 2010, 13 games, eight and a half sacks, 28 tackles. In 2009, 16 games, nine sacks, 43 tackles. So not completely awful numbers, but not um, great numbers for how high of a pick he was um, from a Texas perspective. Then he comes to Buffalo, plays in all 16 games his first three years, and has a combined 38 sacks. And we had one of the best, if not the best, defensive line in all of football. Him, Kyle Williams, Jerry Hughes were just all eating, getting sacks almost every single game. And to me, it's definitely worth the risk for Buffalo to add a J.J. Watt to pair with Jerry Hughes. I know Watt's older, but with Jerry Hughes on the opposite side, both of them, I think they'd be able to get to the pass rush a lot. J.J. Watt was tied for fourth in pass rush win rate this year at 22%. Had a really nice year getting to play in all 16 games. I mean, he's been relatively healthy over the last three years compared to earlier in his career. And I think it's definitely worth the risk for Buffalo, considering the production they were getting from that spot um, last year. Not to mention you have A.J. Epinesa, who shown some flashes and I think is going to continue developing. You'll see him a lot more this year. But J.J. Watt would also be a good mentor with Jerry Hughes for him. And you're going to be able to get a lot more out of him, I think, than Mario Addison. Mario Addison had a couple good games for the Bills here, but he really just did not do a lot. It's another Carolina Panther signing that really didn't work out as well as I think the Bills had hoped it would. Um, I just think that J.J. Watt would be a good fit for this team and for this defense. And to me, I'd rather swing for the fences on J.J. Watt um, and miss than have Mario Addison and them here again next year with Quentin Jefferson and Butler, Vernon Butler, up front when we were just not getting the pass rush at all. And I think J.J. Watt signing would allow you to focus more um, on the linebacking spot if Matt Milano does walk in the draft. Because the last thing I really want to do is spend a first or second round pick on a pass rusher just because we did draft Epinesa in the second round last year and Ed Oliver the year before. We've already invested a first and second round pick on the defensive line in the past two years. I think you should try to go out in free agency and get guys to really fill those gaps and let Oliver and Epinesa continue to develop. Harrison Phillips really stepped it up um, later in the year. Plus, you don't know what Starla Tule is going to do for the Bills, if he's going to opt into this season or not. Um, and I think there's just other needs that the Bills need um, to look at in the draft more that I touched on before, whether it's tight end, cornerback, linebacker, Milano walks, um, just other positions that you have to address first. I think our defense needs to get bolstered up. And I think as far as the defensive line is concerned, um, I think free agency is the way to go. I think the Bills can kind of shore up some other positions um, in the draft. I think wide receivers is another position that they can go for in free agency. But as far as linebacker, cornerback, tight end, running back, all those can get filled up in the draft. Um, and I think J.J. Watt would definitely help the Bills roster and definitely make them 
um, even more of a Super Bowl contender. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, appreciate all the support. If you haven't done so already, please follow me on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. I'll be recording a Zoom call with Matt Beauvais on Wednesday, so expect the audio for that to be on Spotify by Thursday. Video for that will be on the weekend, and then me and Zach will be doing a NBA podcast episode on either Friday or Saturday, which I will also post on Instagram when that'll be. But thank you all again for tuning in. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.